Netflix is dead. Long live Netflix. Today I'm talking about the streaming service's recent troubles. This is Scott's Up Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about Netflix. And in particular, I know that they've had kind of a rough run in the past year or so. Um, They're losing subscribers. They only seem to make the news when they they get into controversy. Um, So, you know, it's very telling that their biggest thing right now is that uh, the latest season of Stranger Things uh, repopularized a Kate Bush song, which is, that is cool, but the rest of the stuff is not great. Uh, a lot of shows and projects getting canceled before they can happen, so yeah. So I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, from my perspective, why that's happening um, and what the future looks like for Netflix moving forward. So without further ado, let's get started. One of the biggest swings in the TV and movie world has been a recent downturn for Netflix. For many, Netflix's quick decline in new subscribers and net worth seem to come out of nowhere, with many wondering if the former titan is primed to collapse. Now, personally, I think Netflix will exist for years to come, but it will likely never be as big as it was even two years ago. Why is that? Well, a lot of reasons that have all been in development for some time. So today, I'm going to break down the limitations or culture shifts that have shifted Netflix's fortunes. Let's start with perhaps Netflix's biggest problem, the reclamation of streaming rights. The main appeal of streaming services isn't watching something new. It's watching your favorite show for the 10th time this week without having to load up a DVD or Blu-ray or remember where you left off and have to search more than five minutes to find your favorite episode. And for a long time, Netflix had rights to a ton of shows like that. They had Friends, The Office, and every other sitcom from NBC that everybody seems to love. Plenty of comfort food shows to justify the price or price hikes every now and then. Same goes for movies. But anyone who's been on Netflix recently knows how few big-name shows are still on the platform, especially in the United States. Hell, they even lost the rights to the Marvel shows. Friends is gone, The Office is gone, and it's hard to imagine a big-name movie that made it onto the platform in recent memory. Netflix's Netflix's competition has, smartly, realized that it's in their best interest to hang on to the shows and movies with the most longevity, and if possible, incorporate them into their own streaming service. Which brings us to the second problem, the surge of streaming. Not only are beloved shows leaving Netflix, they're also going to new streaming services with equally, if not much larger, catalogs. I may think Peacock is a dumb name for a streaming service, but if you give folks the ability to stream all of those sitcoms I mentioned earlier and some new stuff they may like as well, it doesn't matter if you call it the nostalgia-only streaming service. It'll bring in more people who want to find their favorite stuff. Netflix's problem isn't that it's competing against Hulu and Amazon Prime anymore. It's also competing against HBO Max, Disney+, Peacock, Paramount+, Apple+, and so many other streaming services, all of whom have had more extensive catalogs that go back decades instead of a decade at best, which is a bigger nightmare for Netflix because of its business model, at least to date. So let's move into Netflix's business model and identity. There's been an awful lot written up about how Netflix as a streaming platform has worked. To generalize with abandon, Netflix has been 
all about bringing in new users through hype of a new thing. In essence, they bet on some high-profile names to create original series and movies and count on word of mouth and the subsequent coverage to increase their user bases. The best thing for Netflix is a show to become a talking point on late-night shows, aka Tiger King was as great for them as bad as that show is. But there's two big issues with that model. The first is that eventually you have to start paying more, either because your competition is buying up rights, or the only people big enough to cause a stir cost that much. As cool as it might be to get The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot at the same time, you're probably overpaying for that, in this case, Red Notice. The second problem, that emphasis on hype, means that Netflix has a lot of shows left by the wayside. The biggest problem with the hype-based model is that there's no incentive for a service to invest in semi-successful shows or critical darlings that don't grab headlines. The joke was that every show on Netflix was destined for death after its third season, regardless of quality. The only shows that managed longer runs were either tentpole shows that kept going until the creators insisted on stopping, or actually that's about it. Every other series that isn't as cheap to produce as a reality TV show has died an unceremonious death on Netflix's terms. So what do you go to Netflix for that you can't get anywhere else? The streaming home of a bunch of shows that didn't get satisfied endings due to early cancellation? Not a great selling point, especially if you don't have the deep corporate pockets of a Disney or Universal. Which brings us to their final problem. Netflix is on its own. Almost every streaming service besides Netflix has a giant pile of money backing it up via a parent company. If you look at Hulu and Disney Plus or even ESPN Plus, they've got Disney signing the checks. So a misfire here or there isn't going to break the bank of an entertainment juggernaut that literally owns multiple TV channels and services. It means even if shows like The Mandalorian or Obi-Wan bombed, which they haven't, they could take the hit. Netflix can't, at least not as much. Which is a big problem, because all of those high-priced originals we talked about before, they aren't holding up their end of the deal in terms of subscribers. Sure, it's cool that they let Scorsese spend a ton of money to make The Irishman, but that's far from an instant classic like Goodfellas, and a lot of that budget could have gone to another season of a small sitcom like One Day at a Time. I'm not bitter, I'm still bitter, yes, still bitter. So what do they do now? To some extent, I think they've started it. Kinda. So their two strategies thus far have been invest small for big returns and invest big in sure things, and we'll get to what those sure things are. While Netflix has a slew of big names with movies coming out this year, I suspect we'll see that get toned down in years to come. Fewer and fewer $200 and $100 million movies with handsome Chris's in them, and more independent movies they bought the rights to. That along with more cheap-to-produce reality programming and game shows. They'll also, sadly, probably keep paying a ton of money from what they perceive to be their moneymakers, which right now are middle-aged comics who keep spouting off nonsense in their specials. The prime examples right now are Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais, but the easiest way to get a big Netflix special now and a giant payday is to be an established name in comedy who courts controversy, specifically by being a dick to trans people, it seems. And you might say, well, that's two examples in a large company that makes a lot of stuff, to which I would point out that the CEO making a public statement uh, to the effect of put up or get the fuck out is all I really need to know. Honestly, I think the best bet for Netflix is to embrace what makes a modern streaming service work. 
give them original stuff people can't get anywhere else, that's awesome. HBO Max, for all the foibles of its parent company Warner Brothers, is churning out one excellent show after another to add to its impressive catalog of movies and backlog of shows like The Wire and The Sopranos. Amazon Prime invests in smaller-scale adult entertainment on the movie front and puts out a new show here or there to keep things interesting. In short, you know what you're getting. With Netflix, they need to build their own catalog so audiences know what they're getting and can, in essence, grow up with the platform, because other folks own the nostalgia. That means time, patience, and the occasional big swing on a new thing. Looking back may feel safe and stable, but it's not how you pull in new subscribers. It's only how you keep the old ones. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.